welcome back to the Geeks at the Gates. And we are back in the old shop, um, surrounded by scary Russian dolls. The scary bear is still here. And um, you're getting a break from my constant droning audiobook nonsense uh, because we have managed to get three geeks around the table. They are me. Um, I'm not introducing myself again. You know who I am now. You must have heard this bloody podcast before, or you wouldn't have listened to it now. And to my left, we have one of the four founding geeks at the gate, uh, absent for far too long. It's the man with the Tony Stark beard, podcaster, rock hunter, former comic book retailer, Jack. Hello. And to my right, we have a new geek uh, this week. Uh, I know the second one in a row. It's, it's getting exciting in here. Our roster <laughs> is expanding. Hopefully this will not be her last appearance. We have uh, aspiring podcaster, because her own podcast will be starting at some point. At some point, yes. Uh, we have Alice. Hello, Alice. Welcome. Hello. Thank you for having me here. Oh, you're more than welcome. Uh, thank you for coming, because otherwise I'd be stuck with Jack. And oh God, yeah, that, oh, that would be terrible. That would have been that would have been fine. For, <laughs> it would have been fine for me, but no fun at all for Jack. So uh, there are two things that we need to talk about. Um, we do need to talk about Captain Marvel, uh, which I thought was awesome, but we'll come to that because first of all, we need to have a little collective squee mm-hmm. about the fact that the biggest, nearly probably, almost must be, surely, one of the biggest. Let's just. Be safe in case anyone from MCM is listening. One of the biggest, and in the view of this individual podcaster, I'm not, not sure I can speak for the whole of the podcast, but in the view of this individual podcaster, is the best of all the cons uh, currently running in the UK. That's usually what I call it. And I reckon it's probably better than quite a lot of the ones abroad as well. Certainly that's that's what our American guests have always said. Yeah. They, they, they really do like a thought bubble. Yeah. Um, so yeah, thought bubble is coming to Harrogate. Which is mental. It's um, unbelievable. Isn't it? <laughs> um, there is some politicking um, which behind it, which I, I think is a little bit depressing. But there you go. It's still a win. Yeah, I'll take it when we can. Um, so um, this is the bit where, essentially, this is really cool, Jack, because we, we, we are now sanctioned mansplainers. Um, <laughs> because we've both been to I Thought I have allowed them to yeah. mansplain. Yeah, Alice, Alice has given us license to mansplain Thought Bubble Turkey because... <laughs> We we have been many times mm-hmm. as both punters and exhibitors, and yeah. uh, and Alice has never been. How have you never been to Thought Bubble? I've just never had the chance to go. I've just always been working. <laughs> yes. And he says, "Well, you ever worked in retail?" Yeah. And hang on, well, hopefully by... we worked in retail and we went. <laughs> hopefully by the time because when is it due? To... It is November the ninth and tenth. Well, fingers crossed. By the time I will no longer be working in retail, so I won't have the excuse of I can't get time off work. <laughs> Well, even if even if you are still working in retail, you've got many. I still have to go. You've got no, but you've got you've got many, many, many months between now and then to organise not working that weekend. Mm -hmm. You also couldn't get it any closer. (laughs) Yeah, I mean you could if it wasn't for the fact that you could always go down on my lunch breaks. Extended lunch breaks. I was going to say, except the wristbands are reasonably expensive. You'd you'd know. You'd, you'd, you'd want you'd want more than an hour. you'd want more than an hour anyway. Actually, yeah. As as you got in the place. That's why I said extended lunch yeah. break <laughs> to the point where Alice, you're not coming back to work ever again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's, but no, I mean it's it is it's a good reason. Yeah. <laughs> it is it is just the best weekend of the year. Yeah. It? It is. So I don't know. I I, I don't want to monopolise the conversation. Jack, tell me what you like about football. Uh, do you know what I like? The fact that. You, every time I've left it, 
I've always thought, I should have done that, should have done that. There's always mm. something to do. Mm-hmm. There's always stuff left over, which always carries on to the next year. Okay. That's why I'm really intrigued it's coming here, because it's all going to be in one... It's going to be in one place. Yeah. It's not been all in one place. Ever. Well, see, I, I think the first two were entirely in New Dog. See, I never... There was the, the only two I've never been to. But... but so am I right in thinking that the previous years it's been in Leeds? Yes. yes. It's, but started, it's been all over the place. It started out. Well, it's, it started out in what is now called New Dock Hall. <laughs> For a very good reason. Um, but which at the time was called Savile Hall. And oh had, no! As you went in, as you went, this honestly it was the fastest rebrand in yep. history. As as you went, it said Savile, massive letters Savile Hall on the outside of the building. And as you went in, there were massive like. 20 foot across, mm-hmm. black and white pictures of Jimmy Savile from the 60s. There was one, with, one of him with John Lennon, one of him with his big cigar, one of him with somebody else that was oh. famous from the 60s. Oh, um, and he's, he's, you're both too young to remember Jim Fix It, but they had his Jim Fix It chair uh, on display. I used to love that chair as a kid. And uh, yeah, <laughs> um, that, I, I think the day that the story broke, there was a little man there with a roller and some paint. <laughs> so it, it became it became New Dock Hall, and it was originally just entirely in New Dock Hall, which is a reasonably big thing. Yeah, and it's it's, it's a big it's a big hall, basically. It's no frills, nothing fancy, just a big mm-hmm. hall. And then after a couple of years, they expanded across because New Dock Hall is opposite the Royal Armouries, and they expanded across into the four higher ex- exhibition space on the ground floor of the Armouries. Oh, cool. Which is cool. Yeah, that was cool. Um, and then a couple of years after that, they put a massive marquee mm-hmm. in the, in, on the plaza in between New Dock and the Armouries. Uh, and it was that for a good few years. Yeah. And then two years ago, they just decided we've outgrown that. And so they moved into Central Leeds and they had the massive marquee on Millennium Square. This means nothing to people who don't know Leeds. Um, I don't care. I have to listen to people talking about London all the time. Exactly. So they had a massive marquee that covered the whole of Millennium Square. They had a marquee that completely covered Cookridge Street, which is between Millennium Square and the Town Hall. They had a marquee in front of the Town Hall, and they had the Town Hall, which was hilarious because the Town Hall was still open as a wedding venue <laughs> on the Saturday. Yeah. And you, you, honestly, you have not... I'm just picturing it now, some newlywed couples <laughs> you coming have, out and surrounded by nerds. You have oh, not yeah. seen an, an irritation until you've seen the irritation on the face of a wedding photographer who's trying to get the happy couple on the steps of the town hall can I just, without Jason Voorhees in the background. <laughs> can I just say, if I was that bride and I saw that the photographer was annoyed by the fact that there were so many cosplayers in the back, I'd be like, this is going to be the most amazing wedding photo ever. Well, I don't know. Or, if <laughs> Miss Garvey was in the background. I was like, I would love that. I think imagine the... the stories you could tell. It's like, <laughs> why is the right man in the corner there? I think at the time it's happening, you probably don't think that. I think when you look back in 10 years' time, you go, oh, it was amazing, there were all those people there. And there was that guy with the blood-dripping spear standing in the back, <laughs> in the background, that was fun. Because I thought, because I'm stupid and it hadn't occurred to me that there'd be um, weddings and stuff still going on. Mm. Uh, and I was walking down to the town hall and managed to skive away from the store for a bit. And there was a guy standing next to a Rolls-Royce Silver Wraith. Rolls-Royce. Rolls-Royce Silver Wraith. One of those Rolls-Royces wasn't necessary. In the pristine, like, grey chauffeur's outfit. And just for a second, I thought that was an amazing uh, Wraith cosplay. <laughs> like, blimey, they've got the town on that! <laughs> and then I saw, then I heard, like, people clapping and confetti and stuff. Oh! Sorry, pause for the engine noise. Mm. Um, and I thought, oh, 
oh, right, actually, that's why he looks so pissed off. Mm. <laughs> it's because he's surrounded by Batman and men from the Umbrella organisation. Uh, so, yeah, so let's th- th- move to there. Um, and it did two years in Central Release. And I thought it really worked. Yeah. Actually, uh, the, some of the cosplayers did nearly cause car accidents because there were a lot of people doing double takes as they're driving along the road and there's a wood elf just standing at the crossing. Oh, yeah. It was like, I mean, some of the cosplay is so good. Hit, I can't wait for it to come to Harrogate just for that. Because just yep. imagine, Harrogate is not the sort of place where you are even inventive or with your passion, let alone... It's a lot of copy and paste Jack Wills. Yeah. Yeah. So I just cannot wait for the reactions mm-hmm. from... Harry I'm, I'm very much, I'm very much looking forward to Stormtroopers in Betty's. That's yep. going to be great. Absolutely. Um, that's got to be a Harrogate advertiser cover, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Has to. Yeah. Actually, I've made it to the Harrogate advertiser finally. I saw that. Yeah. I got yeah. I got quoted by the Harrogate advertiser. Yeah. Um, yeah. I had to I had to go I had to email them. <laughs> um, How have they not picked up? It's going to be huge. I don't think they understand. The no, they don't. I was talking movie. talking to the guy that was writing the article about this big comic convention coming to Harrogate. He clearly hasn't understood exactly what we're dealing with. Yeah. Oh, uh, but that's my job. That's my job now. Um, I'm. I got a meeting with the organisers of Football tomorrow morning. Actually. Oh, um, I know. I know. <laughs> um, I my job is to make Harrogate realise what it's got and make it love it. Mm. Um, got... I think once they start seeing the money that this is going to bring in, they'll it'll be like, oh yeah, every year this has to happen because. This yeah. is like how many like holding walls ran out in Leeds? All of them. Yeah, pretty much. The, the Tesco. That, I mean, to be fair, it was the only place that sold food near it when it was at the um, oh, New Dock. So just imagine what that's going to do to oh, Harry. Exactly. The Tesco, the Tesco Express out by <laughs> New Dock. Never were prepared enough, were Never. they? Never. And it's the funny. It was always the funniest thing. I went in there on the the last year it was there. I went in on the Sunday lunchtime to get some food, and there's this little old lady who clearly only did Sundays. A little old lady <laughs> behind the counter on her own. And in the queue, oh, no. in the queue, there's Nightwing with the the sticks on his back. Uh, there's, there's Nightwing. Um, there's Harley Quinn, not the movie version, um, but the jester suit. Mm. Beautiful costume. Uh, so there's Harley, Nightwing, Harley Quinn. Um, there was that bloke. He was all all black with the white face with the triangles over his eyes from the Studio Ghibli. One with the coins. Oh, no face. No face. Yeah. There was no face. Um, and there was Poison Ivy, and there was like a couple of other people in cosplay, and this poor woman was like, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> um, so yeah, we're going to get a bit of that, that's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's about time that Harrogate had something like this. They absolutely. need... It's it's such a, an amazing cultural thing. Because mm. uh, that's actually Alice, something that we should stress. Um, <laughs> there is cosplay at Thought Bubble, there... There will be people selling from Co-Pops. <laughs> Actually, not probably not many. No, it wasn't as bad as you they think. Try, they try not to have too much, mm. too much of that. Um, there will be people selling posters that cost 100 because there always is much of the amusement of the uh, yellow-jacketed security guard. Because uh, that, that was another problem they had at, at Leeds when it was in loads of different venues. They had to have security on every, on every door. And is this from pe- people attempting to nick things? Well, yeah, and, and just, you know, it's a big, it's a lot of people in one concentrated space. Um, if you know, we live in times where we have to worry about whether someone's going to blow it up. Okay. So yeah. everybody, so you had to have your bag checked every time you moved venues, and that was a pain in the neck. The security guards were brilliant. Yeah. But they were also clearly not geeks. And uh, <laughs> so the, I, I, I was going through, and I showed him my bag, and it's like the third time I'd been past him. So all right, mate, got a bit more in there then. Uh, yeah, just a few things, and he's like, 
you know, I had a walk around earlier. Do you know there's a bloke selling posters for sixty pounds? <laughs> I was like, yeah, they were the cheap ones. Yeah, so where? <laughs> Tell me, I need to buy them. Clearly, clearly, just not clearly not their thing out yeah. of their comfort zone. But brilliant people. I, yeah. Uh, and the I wonder what's going to happen to the red shirts because mm. the red shirts are in Leeds. The red shirts were the volunteer helpers at football. Right. Um, okay. And the only pay they get is they get a red T-shirt that's exclusive. Oh, you can only get it if you're a red shirt. It's a, an exclusive design every year by somebody amazing. Uh, but that's basically all you yeah. get. You get that and you get to go to the con for free. But you have to spend your time at the con standing by doors and, and helping people find things. So you don't really get to be a punter. And, they're always, and it's easy to recruit them in Leeds because they're all students at the University of Leeds all these years. I'm not sure who they're recruiting here, whether they're going to bring people over from Leeds, which is going to cost somebody something in travel. Yeah. Um, Either you allow them well, to yeah, Raul is coach. not... <laughs> or, whether, or whether they're going to try and recruit people in Harrogate. I can't mm. think of... I mean... They might struggle in Harrogate. Yeah, I think so. I mean, there are students, but they're kids. Yeah. I mean, with mm. the, you know, students in Leeds are different. Students in Leeds are university students. Yeah. Student, students in Harrogate are basically sixth formers. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's... it's and, it's not the same. No, because 20-something-year-olds, even like ones in their early 20s, have a certain sense of responsibility and they take their, even if it's a voluntary job, well, their job seriously. Yeah, well, and it's also cert an, a certain amount of confidence yeah. that yeah. perhaps as a 16-year-old you don't have. Mm. No. Although, actually, arrogant maybe. Maybe too much confidence. See, but, yeah, that, that's, that's what was at the back you of should, my you mind. You two can say that. You grew up here, right? <laughs> so, and also, the, I mean, apart from anything else, just the difference in size of population between here and Leeds yeah. is is you know there just aren't there just aren't as many eligible people. Mm. So I'm, I'm, but then I'm I'm meeting them somewhere, so I'll ask them. Yeah, yeah. Um, and obviously that's tomorrow at time of recording. By the time you hear this, that meeting will already have happened. Yay, time travel. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, where were we going with this? Uh, I don't know. We we're just like gushing. Like, we are a bit, aren't we? Uh, but do you know what I like about it? Yeah. This is what I think Harrogate's going to get the shock with mm -hmm. because. It's got that, it's big. It needs a culture shock, though. That's it, though. This is so cultural. Like, it's something that I feel like belongs in New York because it's so, like, it's left-leaning, let's face it, with its kind of, like... Comics tend to be. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you, you can name the number of right-wing comics creators that are well-known on one hand. Yeah. In fact, I can do it on two fingers. <laughs> it's Chuck Dixon and Frank Miller. There you go. <laughs> uh, but what I like is when you go around and you see particularly, like, the create-your-own-stuff, you know, the really indie stuff, it's... It's so refreshing and new and inspiring. Like, it's really queer and stuff like that. And it really pushes boundaries in a very good way. Yeah. And that's what's so exciting. That's why there's never enough. Because you can get stuck on one song, especially when you talk to the creators. They're so interesting as people. And everyone's got such a good attitude there. Like, because obviously a lot of, like, people who attend comms, they find it quite stressful. It's very monotonous. It's sign and go, sign and go, you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Here, everyone's having just a good time. Yeah. It's Everyone all about celebrating. It. Absolutely. But that's, that's a really good word. It is a huge celebration. And everybody who's there, everybody who is there, is there because they love the medium. Yeah. You know, no one's there to flood their book. They might be selling their book, but that's not why they're there. No one's there because there's a TV show coming out. Um, there, there will be a guy selling Funko Pops, but there isn't actually a lot of that. Mm. You know, there's not, a, you, there aren't like 500 stalls selling the same Spider-Man print. Yeah. Which is what you get at smaller cons. I mean, God love it, the Harrogate Comic Con. It's great, but yeah, it is to Thought Bubble what a corner shop is to Harrods. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, 
you know, it's not the same thing. Everywhere you you can't move at Thought Bubble for running into another creative person. There's another, there's another artist or a print specialist or um, you know, there's a row of writers and and everyone's talking about art and comics and yeah. you know it, it's just that the, the level of creative energy is just it, it just fizzes. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, and I honestly I can't think that I've been anywhere that's had a, the same sort of atmosphere. Mm, yeah. Um, I mean I used to go to the UK Comic Art Convention in London back when they were a thing. The last one was in 1998. Um, and that's where I first came across the small press and the self-published people, some of whom are still friends of mine, God help. And even then, you know, it it was it, it didn't have the same kind of feel of joy mm. about it, uh, and it didn't attract as many people. And that's London. So I also think it's nice because obviously, end of the year weather can be a bit bad, but mm-hmm. I think it's that thing of like everyone's done the cons to sell the book, and you know, the kind of capitalist side of it, and this is the big. Con celebration. It's, obviously, they do that mid-con party as well. Which... It's almost, it's almost like the end of year, the end of year get together. Yeah. It's like this is the like the season's over now. This is the last con of the year. Mm. This is the last time you know the people who are regulars on the circuit who go to every. Yeah. This is the last time we're seeing these people until the next con next year. Let's meet our friends. Let's have a party. Let's have and you know everybody has it. Sometimes too much of a good time. It's fair <laughs> to say. Um, I mean, there is no point queuing to get a signature or a sketch of any any professional on Sunday morning no. because they won't be there. They will be in dead nursing their hangovers. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the same every year. Rightly so. Quite yeah. It's the same every year. I mean, the, the, the Thought Bubble MidCon party is legendary. I've never been because I don't live in Leeds. And I now live... you don't have an excuse. Yeah. No. You see, I live... I live... <laughs> I live... I can just tell by the look of your face, Jack, you're really excited. <laughs> yeah, you see, I live... To... <laughs> yeah. I live too close to justify getting a hotel for, for, for T-Bubs in Leeds. So I always like come home yeah. and then not done the mid-con party. But I have met many people who did on a Sunday. And yeah. Ooh. Um, actually, that's, I've got... But it's just the look on Jack's face. Like, I can't wait to see your edge of the party. <laughs> well, actually, I will probably actually be working. I'll probably be at the, be at the shop. Because um, I'm thinking that what I'm probably going to do, for reasons I cannot currently disclose, I was just wondering oh. if this would be mentioned. Yeah. Um, I actually, do you know what? I'm going to say it. I did it. I can't. Um, oh. Well, no, I'm talking. To, I'm talking to. I'm talking to football tomorrow. Yeah. So, um, and to be honest, the bloody event's happening in the venue. So, Destination Venus, which is my comic shop. I may have mentioned this on the podcast once or twice. <laughs> actually, I haven't. It's always Helen. <laughs> um, Destination Venus is, is nominally hosting a party on Friday night at the Everyman. I say I, we're nominally hosting it. It's in my name. Anybody who knows me will know that I'm the last person you want to organise a party. So people who are actually good at organising parties will be doing that. But it's, it's in association with the Dead Canary Comics, which is a small publishing outfit. And we're going to have um, we're going to have a DJ. I'm not telling you who it is yet. Uh, I've never heard of him because of course I haven't. Um, <laughs> But I've forgotten his name, is the honest truth. So I'm going to pretend I'm keeping it a secret to, like, bank up the tension. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but there's going to be a DJ. Uh, we're going to have artists doing sketches. Um, we're going to have, like, a live art thing going on. Um, other things to be announced. 
Um, so that's on the Friday. There's also a party at the Majestic on the Friday. The Bobble organisers have decided, which made me and Chris, who is actually the person actually organising the party, made us worry for about 30 seconds. And then, well, there's room for both. Yeah, absolutely. There's plenty of room for both. There are gonna, there's going to be some people who aren't going to want to leave the convention hotel. Yeah. There are going to be some people who can't wait to leave the convention hotel mm-hmm. yeah. and want to get out to Harrogate and find something geeky and cool. It's just spreading stuff through the yeah. town, which is yeah. what the whole point um, is, yeah. So we've got that. So I'm going to be open until midnight on Friday. Then I'm at the con all day Saturday. Well, somebody's going to be at the con all day Saturday. Assuming I get a table, I'll be livid if I don't. Um, It'd be weird to not have it. Like, I mean, we've been to give you a table. How many years did you do? Um, With the shop. Each one I was there, so about four years. So you did, you did it four times, I've done it twice. So the shop's been at Bubble at least six, six years running. Uh, well, and Darren used to do it. And Darren used to do it. So at least seven or eight years. Yeah. It would be weird to not get a table the, the year it moves to where we actually are. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That would be strange. <laughs> uh, so, but I'm not saying anything for granted. So as soon as we, you know, assuming I get a table, somebody's going to have to be there all day. But then I think I'm going to keep the shop open late on the Saturday mm. because it sort of makes sense. Yeah. I don't want people sort of wandering out of the, of the convention venue and finding a comic shop that's closed, especially not destination Venus because because of where we are when we're closed we're invisible yeah and also every man just feels like a natural progression like the, the, yeah. the con goes to the everyone it's a trendy cool place maybe see a film who knows mm-hmm. you know. so I might not make it to the midcon party because I might be at work well to be fair and then, I'm, then I'm opening the shop on Sunday as well so I think yeah. I think we're going to be closed on the Monday I think I'm taking the day off I think you deserve it at that point because yeah. <laughs> I think I'll be unconscious frankly <laughs> so Get a sleep mask. Yeah, well, also, yeah. advance notice to everyone who knows me. I will be begging you to come in and do a couple of hours at the shop at some point. <laughs> or, or, on the st- or on the stand at T-Bubs, um, because there's no way I can staff it. Yeah. I, I just can't. Absolutely. There's um, always someone likes the idea of just being a safe work to a comic shop. Yeah, you see, so, well, Steve always volunteers, but Steve's also volunteered for Thorbubble. Because oh, okay. he's, he's doing a quiz yeah. and stuff. So, you know, such enthusiastic friends, that's a bloody problem. <laughs> um, so, so that's going on. Also, we still haven't even had a full like, guest announcement yet. No, the, but the guests that have been announced. Uh, Dave, yeah. Gibb- Dave Gibbons is coming, he's always good value. Mm-hmm. Bunny Cates is coming. This is where I should have it open on my phone so I could actually see who's coming. I'm not that organised. Do you want me to get my phone? Um, yeah, actually, I can't get on my phone because my phone's the backup recorder for the. <laughs> and mine just never had signal in this place. Actually, that's a very good... What did the Victorians make sure... I know, it's insane. It's like we've got radiation shielding. <laughs> I mean, in the event of a nuclear attack, I'm coming here. Yeah. Are we in? You're a signal. Yeah, and I've even got the guests list up. So, there's Brendan Fletcher of Motocrush. Oh, wow. Two people that I'm excited to see uh-huh. is Christian Ward. I love his artwork. I don't mm-hmm. know if you've um, ever read Odyssey. I know he's done other stuff, but the one thing I've read, um, he's not the writer, but he's the artist um, of Odyssey, which is essentially uh, what's well, spelled O O D Y and then dash C. C. Yes, and it is essentially a retelling of the Odyssey, but in the, in the future, but it's in set in space, and it's gender switched. So Odysseus is Odyssea. Yeah. Nice. And it's just that you just have to open it up, and it's just so psychedelic, vibrant. It's just like there's one yeah. person that who cool. a um a friend of mine who flipped through. So, yeah, that's that's his artwork. There. Sorry, there's no visuals. Oh, of course, no, because he's, he's doing um, the thing with G. Willow Wilson as well, yes. which is what that is. 
And now I can't remember Which the name I'm of Which I'm also very excited about, because as you know, I love G. Willow Wilson. Well, as do all right-thinking people. Yeah. Yes. Although, uh, not so keen on as Wonder Woman. I'm not so keen on as Wonder Woman. Oh. I've not read she, any of she, it yet. She's taken over. Oh, is she? And she, she's, she's left Ms. Marvel. Yeah, I know. I knew that much. Uh, but the magnificent Miss Marvel is actually rather good. Uh, it's uh, Saladin Ahmed, who's, oh, okay. who's, also, who's also pretty damn good. So, Christopher, who else have we got? Um, well, I don't know if he wants to flip through. Uh, but the other person I'm also interested in seeing is Lee Garbett. Yes. He's also another artist. Yeah. Uh, he did Loki Agents of Asgard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's really good. I thought was really fun. Um, yeah, again, he was just the artist, but no, we've, still. We've also got Daniel Warren Johnson, who was the artist on Extremity and currently the artist on the artist on Murder Falcon, which is the maddest. Sounds very nineties. So, no, Murder Falcon. It's it's um, Murder Falcon is a, an anthropomorphic falcon who fights murder. who fights monsters. He murders monsters. Okay. That's why he's the Murder Falcon. He, he fights monsters who are, which are terrorizing the city, but he does it. And this is crucial. With the power of metal. Of course he does. And in order to have his in order for his powers to work, in order for Murder Falcon to be able to fight, he needs heavy metal music played live. So in the first episode, <laughs> in the first issue he, he finds um uh, a, a kick-ass metal guitarist, and slowly they're building a band. And they drive around in a van and play heavy metal music so that Murder Falcon can murder monsters. It's awesome. It's Utterly, utterly, utterly bonkers. It's just great. Um, and Daniel Warren Johnson's art is stunning. Um, Dave Gibbons is coming. Dave Watchman Gibbons, uh, as he's known to everybody. Um, I mean, he's just a, he's just a giant. He's yeah. he's 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 the second. He's one of the giants of the second wave of giants. He's you know not Kirby and Ditko's yeah. generation, but he's Alan Moore and let's be honest, it's Alan Moore, Dave Gibbons, um, Alan Grant, John Wagner, people like Glenn Fabry, all, all, all the two thousand eight guys, um, and Neil Gaiman. That's that's those are those giants. Maybe more renowned. He's he's that Donny Cates currently doing Venom and <laughs> Cosmic Ghost Rider, which again is ridiculous. Uh, Emma Vicelli, who is amazing, I love Emma Vicelli so much. Glenn Dillon, who is doing the art on. Uh, um, thing in the jig. That's not helpful. Oh, the solo miniseries. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh. Uh, Jamie McKelvey. Wait, well, is it the solo as in the, they essentially adapted the yeah. film? Yeah. Solo or... as in the movie adaptation. Oh right. Okay. Uh, Jamie Muriel Cadet. Jamie McKelvey. Um, standard. No. Wicked. Wicked. I mean, of course he's there. He's yeah. there every year. Best known for the Wicked and Divine. Um, and designing Captain Marvel. Yep. That was him. Uh, uh, who else? Uh, oh, Gillian Tamaki, who is. Um, Artist on uh, Super Mutant uh, and Boundless, which was good. Uh, Jock, of course, Jock's going. Jock's there every year. Artist on all the things that Jock's drawn. <laughs> uh, John Wagner, co-creator of Judge Dread, all-round giant. We've mentioned him before. Uh, Kieran Gillen, because of course he's going. Because <laughs> he's Kieran Gillen. Someone's got to DJ the party. Uh, also, of, also of Wickdiv, um, we'll be do we'll be DJing when Anthony Johnston isn't. Oh yeah, of course. Um, Webster, Lee Garbett, uh, Luke Pearson. Oh, yes. I do like a blue elfin looking person. Um, 
I mean, listeners at home, do feel free to watch along. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, I'm... watch along to this audio podcast. Yeah. Um, I'm sure. I'm sure that's you how can... science works. <laughs> People can open a thought bubble website and look at this stuff. It's fine. Um, but yeah, maybe we won't just sit here and list names. Oh God, some, I mean, that's just the first one. There's some, some really good people coming. And so, how many guests are there usually? A lot, an awful lot, a huge number yeah. of people. And it's bigger this time. We haven't had we haven't had a really big headline announced for this year yet. No, not yet. But you know, two years ago it was Gerard Way for Christ's sake. So, yeah, yeah. oh, so Gerard Way may, may it's just coming. as possible. Yeah, uh, it's yeah. possible. I mean, one of the things that. I would only be excited to see him there only because I've watched Umbrella Academy on Netflix and it's amazing. Isn't it good? I haven't watched it yet. Oh, mate, you've got to. So, so good. You've got to. It's. I don't know the comics. Right. Okay. I don't like Gabriel Barr's art. I, I would, and I could never see past it. I would warn people that it is... I'm right in thinking it's a bit slow. The start is a little bit slow. I'm so used to that on Netflix now that I don't even notice. <laughs> but there are, but you, you don't. You know, when you do notice it, you. Mm. But I, I think that works. I think in moments because there are some shows where it's so fast paced that I just can't help but think you just got to let this moment breathe a little yeah. bit. Not everything has to be punchy. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Um. But so, I just know that sort of pacing would turn people off a bit, but it's no bad thing. No, I don't think so. Well, it looks like it's got a strong cast, and, you know. Oh, absolutely. Oh, the cast is brilliant. And I think, if, if Steve were here, <laughs> uh, I should say Steve and Helen are not here because they're off doing quizzy things. Um, if Steve were here, Steve would be telling us that we're getting off track. Yes, that's true. And, and he'd be right, yeah. uh, but I think we may have, because because we don't have anything to say about what's happening at Thought Bubble, really, because it's... I think it needs a regular update. Not until November, but I think we'll we maybe wrap Thought Bubble there, uh, and just leave you with the, a couple of assurances, dear listener. Uh, first of all, for the benefit of Alice, uh, and anybody else who's never been, it's bloody awesome. Yeah. Um, Guaranteed good time. And, actually, in all seriousness, if you think... If you think we're overhyping it, if you think we're being overly enthusiastic, honestly, we're not. Mm -hmm. However hyperbolic we might sound, we're actually underselling it. It's better than we're yeah. making it sound. Yeah. And, dear listeners who don't have the privilege of living in Yorkshire, um, first of all, I'm really sorry. And uh, second of all, Harrogate is really easy to get to. Yeah. I I've seen some chatter online about people saying, oh, Harrogate, how easy is that going to be to get to? The honest truth is, if you can get to Leeds, you can get to Harrogate. Yeah. Um, if you are London-based or south of England-based and would be coming north through London, by the time Thought Bubble hits, there'll be seven direct trains a day from London to here. So you won't have to change. You'll just like, get on a train at King's Cross. I'm and... surprised that they haven't done that until now, considering the number of people who live in Harrogate well, who actually they work down in London. Yeah. They just basically live here. Yeah, well, I mean, considering... Considering Harrogate's reputation as Kensington under Dale, mm. um, yeah. So that's that's how you, getting here is no problem. Yeah. Um, Harrogate does have a reputation for being very expensive, and that reputation is entirely justified, mm -hmm. as anybody who lives here will tell you. But yes, you can go to the Ivy and spend hundreds of pounds on a meal. Yes, you can go to Betty's and spend a fiver on a scone but you can also get a kebab for three quid so you know it, 
<laughs> we have all the usual it swings and roundabouts. We have all the usual fast food available and some stuff that's really good and really cheap. Yeah, in um, small town we actually do have an incredibly diverse choice of yeah. like food outlets, and, and you can get good stuff. You know, it's Indian, Chinese. Yeah. Um, it's just a matter of Tex-Mex. having a look, just doing your research and having a look around. Yeah, and yeah, and the bonus of Harrogate, um, sorry, the benefit of Harrogate being so small is that you don't have to wander around for everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere's, yeah. In, everywhere's yeah. in walking distance, except Colbath Road. <laughs> <laughs> Which which is uh, has some fantastic stuff on it, but I can never be bothered to walk out there. Yeah, it's a bit uphill as well, isn't it? Yeah. Actually, that is a point. Harrogate's quite hilly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Flat shoes, guys. Flat shoes. Yeah, sensible yeah. shoes. Mm-hmm. Unless you're cosplaying somebody who wears spikes, in which case you do. Good luck to you. Got to suck them for your art, I'm afraid. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and, you know, we are a, a custom-built convention town. So we've got the hotel space. We've got the food outlets. Um, we've got the infrastructure. It'll be great. We host the Grand Depart for a reason. Yeah, yeah, and we're holding the World Championships this time. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Have you not had a letter to Edel? No, I haven't actually. Oh god, we got we got a letter um from the uh whatever the governing body of cycling is last year. Uh I don't know why, they're not coming down our street. Uh but they um did basically just a letter saying, Hello, we're the world governing body of cycling. Thank you for hosting the World Cycling Road Championships thingamajig. I forget what it's called. In your town next summer. Um, we're really sorry for all the road closures and stuff, <laughs> but you're going to have for about a week. But we promise you it'll be worth it, was basically the tone of the letter. Okay. Uh, I suspect that's why some of the roadworks are being done now. Oh, uh, that makes a lot of sense. They'll be, doing, they'll be yeah. doing some resurfacing and stuff, I, I suspect. Um, sorry, this is all very inside baseball for people who don't live in Harrogate. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll wrap football. Yeah. But we will come back to it. Yes. Because this is the most exciting thing that's happened in this town since Eurovision in 1982. It's not even an understatement, it's true. Uh, I've got to be honest, I'm a bit more excited about this than I would be for Eurovision. Yeah. yeah. Especially since in 1982 we were represented by Bardo. I know, I know, I know. I'm afraid I feel like I should know. It's seared, it's seared on my brain <laughs> because it was the year after Brooks Spears won it. Okay. Um, and let's just say that Bardo blessed them when no books fizz. <laughs> so, anyway, that was Thought Bubble. Um, we're now going to segue into Captain Marvel. So, Captain Marvel. Mm. It was alright, wasn't it? Yeah. It was awesome. Great. Uh, I, I'll be honest, both me and Alice saw it at the midnight screening. This uh, is my first ever midnight screening of oh, anything. Really? I had no idea I'd, I'd been such a terribly bad influence on you. <laughs> uh, yeah, he, see, um, what Reg did is throughout the week I was saying, I'm thinking going to the midnight screening. And he kept saying, do it. And then the day before the midnight screening, I came into the shop. I'm still thinking about doing it. Do it. And I just went upstairs because Reg is underneath the stairs to the everyman where the midnight screening took place. And I just went upstairs. Got a ticket. I just thought, why not? I'm not going to be at work the next day. Yeah, it was cool. It's actually the first midnight screening I've been to where I wasn't on my own. So that was fun. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for coming to the news with me. That You're was, welcome. That was cool. And you still... I'm uh, sorry, that day. Yeah. So I didn't do them in night. Yeah. Lightweight. And, well, I used to always do them, and then I realised, like, I really want to, like, talk about them or something after, but, it, you know, like, two in the morning and everyone's rushing to bed. Yeah, the, the midnight screening, you, you don't sit around and talk about it for ages afterwards. Yeah. It's, no. Uh, um, I, I, I couldn't quite articulate how I felt. At the time. No. 
Uh, I was barely conscious, if I'm honest. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I gave you all this time. Yeah. <laughs> and I, before the film, I was thinking... Oh, thank you, by the way. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, before the film, I was thinking, oh, we'll be talking about it in the car on the way, uh, dropping ice off at her house. Yeah, we're talking about it in the... No. <laughs> I think we were both just like, yeah. We were both just kind of staring. <laughs> we're also just in a daze from just how the, the awesomeness. It is. <laughs> now, there has been, I think it's fair to say, some negativity surrounding... Mm the movie uh, in some corners of the pre internet. pre-release or post-release or both? Both. Yeah. I'm not sure how many of the nays- naysayers have actually seen it and how many are hating it on principle. A lot of the reviews mm-hmm. I've seen, they haven't. Yeah. They um, couldn't have bought the same. It's... Well, first of all, with the pre-hatred. <laughs> let's, yeah. let's be honest. The pre-hatred. The pre- it's hatred, yeah. really. It's... Um, I remember like, for the few days before, there was some, oh, the reviews are coming and they're not good on Rotten Tomatoes, which is mm. a red flag right there. And a lot of people were saying, this is clearly bots. Mm. This is clearly people that are just already rolling. rolling. I, I don't know how to pronounce it either. It's one of those words. It looks trolling. great when it's written down. <laughs> is it trolling or trolling or... Yeah, well, it's trolls, so... Tr- it's like scones, isn't it, really? <laughs> no, no that's not for debate. <laughs> it's scones. <laughs> uh, oh, thank God we agreed. That could have been awkward. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been a whole... That's the rest of the podcast. Like. <laughs> um, no, I would have, where I would, was I? I would have played the former professional linguist card. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it was just trolls, basically. Yeah. Um, wanting to... Yeah, I mean, there, there was some negative comment because of things that Brie Larson may or may not have said, which I'm going to I'm going to address briefly because one of the things she's accused of saying she didn't say. Yeah. <laughs> um, at least not about Captain so Marvel. So I only laugh because this is happening. Just oh, it happens a lot. It's the nature of the internet. Any any of our dear listeners who want to go and uh, check out Destination Venus's blog, The Wednesday Waffle, that's what this week's as as we record this, that's what this week's blog's about. If you're looking for it online, it's called. It may not be for you, and that's fine. Um, Brie Larson did say about a completely different movie that it wasn't made for white men. Not in the context of saying, therefore, white men can't watch it, and in no way suggesting there's anything wrong with being a white man. It was in the context of somebody saying that particular parts of the demographic were not going to see this movie, and her saying, well, we didn't make it for them. Yeah, it's not a movie we made for white men, it's a movie we made for women, and yeah, it's not... Which film? Uh, I, I, I'm terrible at names. I don't know, and I didn't write it down. One of the, <laughs> one of those movies that Brie Larson's in. The only the only movie that Brie Larson's in that I can name is Captain Marvel. So, <laughs> um, but I do know she did she did say it in that context. Yeah. Um, that, yeah. If, if white men don't like it, that's okay. It yeah. wasn't made for them. Mm. Yeah. Um, and she did say in the context of talking about Captain Marvel that it was a shame that all the reviewers were old white men. And that was in the context of saying... And that upset a, a lot of, of... A lot of reviewers, you know, that there's not the diversity of life experience mm. amongst the people who get paid to review movies, which is demonstrably true. So you may or may not approve of that being pointed out. Yeah. But it's a thing. It doesn't make Brie Larson a feminazi, whatever one of those is. That's a horrible compound word. I really don't like it. Yeah. So there's that. I have seen... Captain Marvel described as a feminist movie. Yeah, and I don't think it is. I mean, it is if you define feminism as treating women like people. Yeah, which I suppose it is. Which, 
which actually is my favourite definition of feminism. So on, on that level, yeah, okay. But it's not in your face with a political no. agenda at all. That's all I heard. And then after I'd watched it, I was like, wait, I don't get what bits they thought was like in doubt, should be well, down your throat. Unless, like, unless they think having two female fighter pilots in the US Air Force <laughs> is in some way ramming an agenda down your throat, mm. it doesn't have an agenda. Yeah. A, it's just addressing the issues. Yes. But, yeah. but it doesn't even do that, actually. I mean, they make her friend, I can't remember her name, Rambo. Maria? Maria, thank you. Maria Rambo says about something that happened six years ago. Um, of course, we weren't allowed to fly combat missions back then, so flying the Doctor's planes was like the only way we could make a difference. Mm. Okay, a little bit, but actually it was true. The, the movie's set in 1995, which would mean six years ago was 1989. In 1989, women were not allowed to fly combat missions in the USAF. Just, it's just true. That's a thing mm. that happened. It's, it's historical accuracy. You know, and there was no... It was a terrible thing that we couldn't do that. No, hey, it's a disgrace. None of that. It was just a note that, yeah, we couldn't do that, so we did this instead. Mm. And apart from that, the only other thing I can think is that it is the first... With all due respect to um, Scarlett Johansson, it is the first Marvel movie to have a high-profile woman in it as a, a superhero character who is in no way sexualised. Brie Larson, uh, Captain Marvel's gender identity is utterly irrelevant. There's no love interest. Um, she is wearing a sort of skin-tight suit, but it's not skin-tight like Black Widow's skin-tight. It's not ridiculous. Um, it's not skin tight like um, Alicia Silverstone's suit is skin tight in Batman and Robin. Although I'm happy enough to be, to admit to my past misogyny, and uh, that's the only thing I enjoyed about Batman and Robin, to be honest. There is very little to enjoy about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I was clutching at clutching at straws. Honestly, you know, it's a, it's basically a flight suit, which is one of the things I like about Jamie McCarvey's design. Yeah. Actually, it's a flight suit. She's a fighter pilot. Do them, you know that. She's not there to make you go, ooh, at any level. Mm. And she's not romantically interested in any of the men or women in the movie. And none of the men and women in the movie are romantically interested in her. You could argue that that's so unusual as to be making a point. Mm -hmm. But also, it's realistic. Yeah. Most people aren't romantically interested in most other people. It's... Yeah. Mm -hmm. it's you know, she's already got enough stuff going on as well. She doesn't yeah. really have to have. Yeah. That. <laughs> so, so there's like so, so. I actually don't think this is particularly a feminist movie in the way that people who accuse it of that mean it. I actually heard a criticism where it was half baked. It was there wasn't enough feminism, yeah, and it's and yeah. I just thought, well, you don't want to risk be preaching the audience. Yeah. And, and what will happen if you start doing that is you'll ostracise fifty percent of the audience if yeah. you start. Also, I mean, plugging the feminism because there are different. I'm sure, as you're aware, there are different schools of feminism. Yeah. So, regardless as to which school of feminism you decide to go down, at some point, if you start preaching it through the medium of film, someone's not going to take to it very yeah, particularly well. Particularly that. I mean, call me crazy, people do, but I don't think that's Marvel's job. I don't think Marvel has any interest in preaching a political point of view. I mean, I don't want to get into a rant about politics in comics because there's lots of it, and that's good. But Marvel Comics doesn't have an editorial standpoint, particularly. And I don't think Marvel movies do, and I don't think that's their job. I think their job is to make entertaining fiction. That may or may not... It's all right for them have. to have a little bit of nuance yes. and to address certain issues, but, but they don't have to 
educate the masses. Yeah, ultimate, ultimately, a Marvel movie's job is to have superheroes hitting things um, and some amazing special effects. Yeah. Um, with a decent, a decent heroic storyline. Mm-hmm. That's what they're for. They're yeah. not there to lecture me on uh, social issues. If they happen to get some in, fine. Mm-hmm. But that's not its job. So, I, I so mean, long as it's not to the detriment of the plot yeah, or yeah. the character. But, it, but if 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 they had put in, um, it would have been too much because they already had so many things that the yeah. so, I mean the story had so many things it needed to yeah. cover already. So to, to squeeze in a, a reading from Jermaine Greer would have been difficult. And also, we don't yeah. need also oh, yeah feminists. I've, I've really picked I've really picked the wrong feminist there. But yeah. I've very definitely picked the wrong feminist. Bless so, her, her heart was in the right place. Yeah. But the only, the only bits <laughs> oh. of that film that I thought they might have been interpreting as kind of like in-your-face type of thing, was the only bit that I picked up on was something like, okay, I particularly maybe can't relate to it like as it's depicted, but all of, when I saw those sections that I'm about to mention, all of that popped into my head was my sister. And it was when she's like doing the training camp and the guys are kind of saying, you can't do it, kind of thing. You're not yeah. strong enough. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she's always, and the whole point is, get. it's not the point where you can do it, it's getting back up and trying. See how I rise yeah. up. Yeah, and then obviously the whole... I have nothing to prove to you line and stuff like that. Oh, like, yeah. I love that moment yeah. I so cheered. much. Yeah, to me, quietly, but I cheered. All that popped in my head was my sister, because that used to be what she used to always tell me about her growing up. And mm. like, she always had guy things. She was very tomboyish. And so that was always the only thing she used to come up against, which they never came up yeah. against themselves, because they weren't saying that about themselves. It was only her because she was the different one. And actually, do you know what? I didn't think of my sister. But yeah, my sister's experience was similar. I mean, my, exactly. my, my sister is a good deal more muscular than I am. Probably, the same could probably be said about my sister. Um, and yeah, she. I mean, my sister was in the army and shit. And yeah, she got, she got. Yeah, it. and to be fair, that's not saying that. And she dealt with it in much the same way. Actually, she yeah. stood up and got on with it. Which again isn't wholeheartedly just a, like a, a feminist like, thing that anyone can find. But, but also, yeah, I mean, try what what that particularly reminded me of. Um, oh, by the way, sorry, spoiler horn. Spoilers. <laughs> Spoilers! One of the things, that sequence, there's a sequence of flashbacks at the end, right at the end, when she's just getting her powers. Yeah. And we see all the times she stood up on the beach as a little girl and yeah. on the, the assault course. And, and then, finally, in real time, she stands up and takes takes him out, basically. Mm. Um, and the thing that made me think of was um, Little Steve Rogers, pre, yeah. pre-Super Serum. Little Steve Rogers in the alley, getting the crap beaten out of him and going, I can do this all day. Yeah. Say it's the same attitude. Yeah. And that was the moment that made me think we already know they're retiring Captain America in some way in Endgame. We know it's Chris Evans' last movie. So whether they retire him or kill him, he ain't leading the Avengers anymore. They're clearly setting Carol to be the leader of the Avengers. And what they're demonstrating in that he sequence. Take on absolutely. That, yeah. What they're demonstrating in that sequence is that she's worthy. Mm. She's the same. She's got the same spirit as Steve Rogers. Yeah. And of course she's also ex military. She's got that discipline and all of that, but yeah. it's it's they're showing us her character in that sequence, yeah. I think. Um, and it's just a it's just a really powerful sequence. Mm. Um, you know, I mean, I I am not now and have never been a woman. Um, just for the record, <laughs> so I, I don't relate to it in quite that way. But I was a little kid, uh, as in small in stature. Um, I mean, I was a little kid too once, but when I was in when I was in my late teens, I was very little and very crap at sport but still had to play football and rugby. And I got the, you're too small, you're too weak. Yeah. And to be fair, they were right. They were so right. But I had to keep getting back up. 
again. And mm. so, which is why I I'm not sure I interpreted it as a particularly feminist or or female centric. Because anybody can relate to that. Because we've all been there. We've all had to get. We've all been knocked down and had to get back up. Yeah, we've all had people tell us we couldn't do something and, and then have to go on and do it. So I don't, although I'm sure a lot of women will relate to that in a way that I don't quite relate to it. Yeah. Equally, I don't think there's a man out there who can't relate to it, mm. except those really annoying people who are just good at everything. <laughs> but they're just not relatable themselves. Yeah. So say that like that's what people were trying to get offended with. I'm actually surprised, again, spoiler horn probably needs to be put here but the thing that I thought after watching it I was like I'm surprised that didn't get more backlash was the whole scroll twist the fact that they also used the words terrorist which then turned into refugee, refugee. yes <laughs> yeah actually like, yeah that's a, that's a good point I mean I liked that yeah I I wonder if it's partly the inherent left wingness of people who are into comics yeah because you know, there is definitely an, an inherent left-wing bias in comics. Yeah. So we're kind of used to it. But actually, yeah, I mean, amongst your movie-going audiences, I mean, it is a blockbuster movie. They, you know, they will be red hat-wearing people. Yeah. Um, and whatever the British equivalent of that is. In the, in the theatre, who, yeah, do equate refugees and terrorists. And I suppose that was a little bit on the nose. Yeah, yeah I thought that, like... It's kind of cool. Surprising. It was kind of cool. And yeah, I, I'm, I'm pleased... Yeah. That, that, it, that there hasn't been a negative reaction to that. Gives me almost gives me hope for humanity. Not much, but some. Well, it stopped the schools from just being two-dimensional. Because they are often very two-dimensional in the comics. Mm. In fact, the only objection I've heard about about that aspect of the scrolls in this movie is that oh come on, they're supposed to be the ultimate bad guys, and oh. suddenly they're suddenly suddenly they're all wishy-washy refugees, and and. And they've objected to the fact that it's not, not quite comics accurate. Mm. Although it is these days, because they, they, they have done that in the comics a few times. Yeah. With um, sort of little pockets of scrolls yeah. who've kind of gone, we don't really want to do a galactic war anymore, we're just going to look human and live here. And yeah, they, they've had a few storylines like that in the comics. Uh, did we get the name of, I can't remember the name, the, the main scrolls, uh, Ben Mendelssohn's character. Did we, know, did we ever get the name of his daughter? In the film. I don't. I don't think so. But just because we all know you're asking the wrong person, Jack. Well, <laughs> just because there was that one scene. Do you know when you get shot? The camera just focuses on her, and I'm just thinking she's the right age to grow up. And I'm just wondering. I wonder if she'll be the princess who comes to invade. Uh, you know, for secret. Um, secret invasion. Yeah. Just because I. That's interesting. I just wondered that, like. That Although was, that'd be kind of a dick move at this point, wouldn't it? True, but it would make her interesting. Yeah, and she is a scroll, so... Yeah. It's just she's seen a traumatic event in childhood, so, you know, things Mm. like that. Yes, obviously, her father was a good person, as far as we can tell, and they all all had, like, obviously very justified reasons for what they were trying to do. I just wonder if... I I feel like she's obviously going to come back in some way, and I just wonder if that's maybe somewhere they... I think we we haven't seen the last of those scrolls. Yeah, certainly. No, actually, do you know something else that struck me about about the plot and the whole shape-shifting refugee thing. Um, a bit like Doctor Who, isn't it? Oh, yeah. the, the scrolls are a bit like the Zygons now. Yeah. Which I kind of like. Of course you make that thing. Of course I make that thing. <laughs> yes. Sorry, I can't um, contribute to this <laughs> since I'm not as big as a fan. We can, we can still be friends, Alice. <laughs> <laughs> 
So I have no idea what you're talking about right now. No, no there was um, in Peter Capaldi's penultimate series, there was a, a, a storyline in Doctor Who where there are shapeshifting aliens called the Cycle. And there was a, a, a thing where they'd essentially just come to Earth and made themselves look human and assimilated into human society. And then it all went wrong. And Peter Capaldi got to make a really brilliant speech about how war was a bad thing. Um, it's quite cool. Mm, you should probably watch it. So yeah, I know I liked that. I liked that scroll twist. Yeah. I think we do have to talk about goose. Oh yes, we must. More to the point. <laughs> more to the point. Nick Fury and goose. Yeah. I just love the revelation that Nick Fury is a cat. <laughs> yeah. He loves cats. Makes yeah. sense. I think that's awesome. I, I, I yeah. I love that, and I love that they made a running gag out of it. And obviously, with the whole... Yeah. yeah. Although that doesn't translate on podcast at all. Yeah, no. that yeah. mime was absolute radio gold. <laughs> <laughs> For the benefit of the listeners, Jack Jack was miming, scratching his own eye out. Yeah. And, no, and I like that. I liked, actually, I, first of all, I liked the running gag mm. that he gets hit in the face right at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. And at various points throughout the movie, people say, is that eye is okay? And so, yeah, it's fine. And then... He gets, he gets all the way to the end, and then the cute cat scratches his eye out, and that's just magnificent. Because uh, I love that it's something as mundane and yeah. heroic as that. Because there's the line in, I'm going to say Winter Soldier, I might be wrong about that, where he says to Cat, last time I trust somebody, oh, I lost an eye. And we've heard all these stories about how he lost it in this way and that way. Yeah. And, I, and so I like that he just got scratched by a cat. Well, by Flurkin. Flurkin. Um, but then I also like the way that almost immediately Agent Coulson is like, is it true that the Kree burned your eye out because you wouldn't call it? And I can neither confirm nor deny that. Yeah. Uh, and I love that, that, that we see the start of the mythologising of Nick Fury as this yeah. amazing super agent who actually just likes cats a bit too much. Because it, it would have added nothing to the character if that was how, was how we lost. Because we already know him like yeah, that. we already know Nick Fury the hero. Yeah, he's he's badass. We know that. Yeah, it's this side of him. The early days that we've never seen anything, and yeah, he wouldn't be that kind of like hard hitting a badass at that point. Well, and he's this is well, this is also the first time he's seen aliens. And also, yeah. listeners, as a piece of trivia, guess what? No, <laughs> the name of one of the cats who um, was the who acted out the role of Goose. Oh. Now I know we no, I know we no, I know we noticed this at the time, but it was three in the morning and I can't remember. So. <laughs> One of the name of the cats played goose was called Reggie. Oh, oh that's true. Yeah. Or was it Reg? Yeah, it was oh, Reggie. No, it was Reggie. It was Reggie. It? Yeah, awesome name for a cat. How many say. Cats were there? Five. Was it supposed to be five cats? There, there were five cats. Well, seriously, I mean can you imagine trying to get a cat to cooperate? No, that's a good point. On a actually. film set? That's true, yeah. That's, that's, point. that's not going to work. Yeah, It'd be like herding cats, actually, literally. <laughs> oh, God, I loved Goose. He was great. And I liked also the way they actually tell the story in that one of my problems with origin story movies, you get this in Iron Man, you get it in Captain America, the first 20 minutes or so mm. is basically exposition. Yeah. It, this is Steve Rogers. He's a small man who can't be a soldier. But he really wants to be, and now we're going to show you him being brave and heroic. Whereas you don't have any of that. In this None show. of that. And we, we, we start with her waking up from a nightmare. Then she goes and, and, and does some sparring. Then she goes and talks to the supercomputer. Yeah. Then they go on a mission and blow some shit up. Then they have a fight. And then she's crashing through the roof of a blockbuster. Yeah. 
And we find out what's happening, and we find out who she is at the same time as she does. And that's a much nicer, it's a much better way, I think, to tell an origin story. Especially this specific one, because in the comic, she lays stuff from amnesia as well. There is a, she? Uh, there is a storyline along those lines. I've not read that much Captain Marvel, to be honest. Um, um, from what from the very limited knowledge I have of the Captain Marvel comic, I understand that she suffers from amnesia every time she turns into Captain. Or is it Ms. Marvel? And I think, I think that, that might have been that might have been back in the that might have been back in the Ms. Marvel days, yeah. Um, and she can't remember being Ms. Marvel, so it's almost like it's another persona. Yeah. And I think they into weaved <laughs> that interwove that um, that particular aspect of yeah. the comics mm. was they yeah they, they did a few things like that quite well in... um certainly the way she gets her powers in the movie is more or less the same way she originally gets them in the comic in the, in the comics she was captain marvel's assistant she was his air force liaison yes and something happened with a bit of kree technology um, that blew up and she absorbed the energy and got her powers, which made her into Ms. Marvel in 1978, for what it's worth. Um, or was it 77? 70s. And that's not her current origin story in the comics. The most recent Captain Marvel miniseries, uh, The Life of Captain Marvel, reveals that she's half Cree. Her mother is, is Cree. And so that's the source of her powers in the comics now. It's a slightly eccentric choice. To go to the powers that you go to the origin from 40 years ago. Well, I assume that ties into the fact that really those powers didn't just come from Kree technology, but from the cosmic cube. Yeah, I presume so. Which will tie into obviously something to do with Endgame. Yes. Well, and the, and the Tesseract has been a... I mean, the, the Tesseract is the thing that's been a thing since the beginning of yeah. the Avengers, hasn't it? So, yeah. Um, it, it, it extends... It will beautifully tie everything to the yeah, together. Yeah, and it, it, it extends. It extends certainly Fury and Shield's involvement with the Tesseract right the way back into the nineties yeah. now. So you know, there's that. Um, I thought it was interesting that they gender swapped Marvel. Oh yeah, and there was no reason to not. I think. Um, I think Annette Benning is amazing. And, and yeah, and it means you get to use Annette Benning. So come on. And I mean, if if they were going to be completely, <coughs> excuse me. If they're going to be completely comics accurate and do the whole Ms. Marvel years in the movies, then having Marvel as the male Captain Marvel might have made sense. But if you're only having Marvel there for five minutes to be the reason there's an explosion with Kree technology and boom, why not make it female? It doesn't matter. Yeah. It's not. The character was still the yeah. morally high character. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter either way, and it, it means that Carol Danvers gets a female role model. Which, which I think was the whole point. Yeah, of which yeah. narratively makes sense. She could have had a male role model before anybody writes in, but I, I, I think a female role model made sense. So that's all good by me. I'm mm-hmm. happy with that. That's fine. Yeah. Was there anything that slightly disappointed anybody? I've got one thing. I am struggling to think of one. I have a general... It didn't give me as much excitement as, say, other kind of, like, superhero origins. But I, it, to me, this felt the same with, like, say, Ant-Man 2. Between Infinity War and Endgame, I feel like they could have released anything. Because the hype for those two films are so big and they bookend these, mm. I feel like they slightly overshadow... I feel like Captain Marvel's the type of film 
it'll get better and better as time goes by, as it moves away from... As it moves away from being overshadowed. Yeah. And maybe being its own beast as well. Yeah. Yeah. Let's face it, it's it's only being brought in now because of Avengers. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there there is... uh, This is one of the... um, You know all the people who were trolling online initially and saying, it's going to flop, it's going to be a bomb, it's going to... Um, <laughs> when it when it demonstrated how much made at the box yeah. office, yeah. <laughs> when it was the second largest opening for a Marvel movie, um, a lot of the 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 clapback to people pointing that out was uh, it's, it's just it's just the Endgame connection there. That's the only reason people are going to go and see it. They're not going to go and see it because they they want to see Captain Marvel. They they're going to see it because it's connected to Endgame, and it isn't no. actually. The only connection to Endgame is that it means you'll know who Captain Marvel is. Yeah. That's it. And actually, if you didn't want to see Captain Marvel, you could go to Endgame and know who Captain Marvel is without having seen mm. Captain Marvel. So I don't think that stacks up, actually. I think probably people are going to go and see it because they quite like it. It's yeah. just my thought. Well, I'm going to be seeing it again because my mum really wants to go see it. And I think it's very important for mum and I to go see this film together. Yeah, so, that would be cool. Because so, yeah, I, I, it doesn't really tie... The only tie to Endgame is that Captain Marvel's in it. And there's the end credit sequence, which, oh, yeah. which frankly we didn't need to see because I'd assumed that moment was going to happen at some point. Yeah, I wasn't so, like, oh my god, one less to happen. So, yeah, it's ba- yeah, it's basically it's basically thirty seconds of, of, that they don't need to spend in Endgame now. Yeah. Um, but again, if you haven't seen that scene where she turns up and says, Where Fu- "Where's Fury?" You're going to assume it happened when they know who she is when they when when she first appeared on screen in Endgame. It, it doesn't matter. It's it, in many ways. I suppose they won't have to have five minutes of going. Who are you? Why are you here? Why yeah. do you know Fury? But that would have happened. Yeah. Everyone in, knows that's happened now. In many ways, it was much more important to go and see Black Panther before Infinity War. Yeah, no. Because there's a whole bunch of stuff that you wouldn't have understood in Infinity War if you hadn't seen Black Panther. Like, what the hell is Wakanda? Yeah. Why have we never heard of it before? And who are all these people? Yeah. Oh look, Rhinoceros is in armor. That's cool. <laughs> so, I. I I don't, I don't really think there is an Endgame connection beyond that. I think the thing that, the only thing that I, and it's not, it's not even that I didn't like it, I just was disappointed they didn't do more with it, was Ronan the Accuser. Oh, yeah. yeah. Although, there is something that I found quite interesting with him. Mm-hmm. His last line is, oh, we'll be back, but for the weapon. Well, he's dead, but we know time travel will happen in, in some form in Endgame. I just wonder if there's going to be some retconning and he might return as a villain. Recording in Marvel, really? Yeah. I wonder though, because um, ha- so it's the film took place in 1995. 95, yeah. So I'm assuming that the current, so the other movies are set in the current day. So yeah, they're, 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 set, they're set in the year they came out. Yeah. So Iron Man is set in 2008. Um, so it's in the current time in in Marvel. So if we're talking like in the Avengers movies. It's 2019, yeah. or it will be 2019, 2019 in Endgame. Mm. So that's quite a lot of time for. So, say so they're going to. I hope they do another Captain Marvel movie. It'll be oh, quite, no question. Um, it'll be quite a time jump to have one set in the modern day. So it yeah, might be uh, that the next Captain Marvel movie might be set between okay. 1995 Somewhere, yeah. to Because yeah. think. Because it'd be quite a. You know. I, I just think it would be quite a jump, really. I mean, I know it's it, it, we're we're in the 
realm of um, men who have built iron <laughs> suits where they yeah. can fly in the sky and scientists who turn to Are you telling green rage bombs. Are you telling me that it's not real? <laughs> have, you, have you met a Hulk? Have you encountered a Hulk in your travels? So we Not yet. No, but equally, <laughs> equally, I've never seen the Taj Mahal, but I know it exists. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I just think it's it would be a bit strange to just have Captain Marvel in say like the first one set in nineteen ninety five, and then the next one to be in twenty nineteen. Yeah, so that nothing happened. That's a good point. That's so, a good point actually, because because we know I mean at the end of Captain Marvel, she's setting off to find the Kree a new homeworld, which I think would be an interesting as a movie. Story. Isn't it? I would yeah. And I, yeah. and that's bring Ben Nicholson back as well because he was a He was great. Well, and also that would let us see the other side of the scroll because they're not all nice. Yeah. I, also, she doesn't age. No, Are we assuming that's a power thing or is that? Something... Oh, no, she doesn't age in the comics. Does she not? No. So I do not know that. Um, that yeah, it's one of the, it's Captain Marvel. Were I were I uh, one of these negative Nellies on the internet, um, I would call her a Mary Sue. Because she is. She's massively overpowered. It's ridiculous. She's a Superman. Uh, she's probably more powerful than Superman. Um, she's, you know, it's not just flight and super strength and the ability to shoot photon blasts, whatever they are. Why is it not a torch? It's not, yeah, it's not a, it's not a, <laughs> photo, it's not a photon blast. Because that's a flashlight. Yeah. <laughs> flashlights, don't, flashlights don't throw people across across the desert. Is that any, yeah. Uh, but then I suppose a sonic screwdriver would just make a noise. So, <laughs> you know, let's not go there. And and all of that, she also has a healing factor that, that's more powerful than Wolverine's, which effectively means she doesn't age. Because right. as her cells age and, de- and de- de- deteriorate... De- 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 yeah. <laughs> they, they heal. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Educational corner. So, actually, they've, they've given themselves a bit of a problem, because Brie Larson has signed on for seven movies. Oh. Which is going to... Which, well, I mean, the first two are clearly made already. Yeah. There's, there's, there's Captain Marvel and there's Endgame. Yeah. But there's going to be another five movies. That's at least another six to eight years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Brie Larson, God love her, is going to age. That's going to be... Well, hopefully some of those movies will include some more Avengers movies. Yeah. And maybe if... some other projects as well, because... But she's Even though still, she's no longer... She's still going to be ten years older at the end of it than she was at the start of it. Yeah. Um, but, but my only thought there is, is that towards... Because there's the other character. Now, I know she was previous... Well, Carol Danvers was previously Miss Marvel, but she is now Captain Marvel. There is another Miss Marvel, which you know oh, I'm a huge fan of. And there's actually talks of, of produ- adapting that. They will it. bring. They will bring Kamala Khan into the MCU. They better do. It'd be crazy not to. If you want to sell, they want to sell movies in, in internationally. Um, there's a very large section of the UK demographic that's going to go and see a, a movie about a Pakistani-American. Well, um, I mean, not even just that, but... Like, but and, then, and then, you know, you might want to sell a movie in Pakistan for a start. Well, yeah. But when, when her comic first came out, the first thing that I kind of latched on was, this is the modern spider. She's this character yeah. who you can just... Like, regardless, like, I don't come from her background, but I related to her on so many levels, like, mm. growing up in the modern age. I just like... think, I just thought it was a beautifully told story. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I think and so. I don't describe comic books that way, mm. usually. <laughs> I just think, oh, yeah. I, I usually say, oh, it's really cool, or it's... Yeah. But no, yeah. That, it was a wonderfully told yeah. story, it, it, and it, it still is a wonderfully I, told story. It's still going on. G. G. Willow Wilson did a fantastic job. Yeah. On the... Can it be for five years? Oh, God, it's insane, isn't it? 
It's, uh, I, I only know this because the last issue of G. Willow Wilson's run yeah. um, had a big celebrating five years of Ms. Marvel uh, banner cool. across the top. Five years since yeah. all that fuss. I know. Um, it's, yeah, I mean, they'd be crazy. I, I, and, she'll, and she'll be appearing in that. Yeah, I would have thought so. Yeah. Because yeah. Carol, Carol is very important to Kamala. The whole point. Um, yeah, I mean, she, I mean, she's basically a, a Carol Danvers tribute act in her in her head. Yeah, I mean, that's not what she's at all, but in her head, that's what she is. Yeah. So yeah, they, I think the only reason they haven't done it yet is because Kamala Khan is an Inhuman, and there are issues with the rights. Mm-hmm. Not sure who's got the screen rights for the Inhumans. I thought they had the Inhumans because didn't they produce an Inhuman? They were going to do, gonna, but they're, they're, they have made an Inhumans TV show. Yeah. And that flops. Yeah. Sadly. Which might also have. But they don't actually have to make her an inhuman if they don't want. They can make her a mutant. Well, yeah, I was going to say that they're going to work around it somehow yeah. because they can't. It always. Not. In fact, I wonder. Actually, I genuinely wonder. It, given that, with all due respect to the to the amazing Jack Kirby, nobody cares about the Inhumans really. No, they're a very <laughs> odd idea. And well, didn't correct me if I'm wrong, but weren't the Inhumans brought on because they didn't have the rights to the mutants because yeah. of course that was owned by Fox. That's why that's that's why they wanted to, they were to make an Inhuman movie yeah because they couldn't make an X Men one. Where the Inhumans as a group have been around for a very long but that's time. That's no longer an issue now um, because they own Fox now. Yeah, so they so they can soon Disney will own everything. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they, yeah they can, they could just make her a mutant. Yeah. And not have to explain what the Inhumans are because yeah. the Inhumans are odd. Really. It's a hard one to explain. Although, but then again, they are going to do an Eternals film, which is still I forget because I'm like, oh yeah, that's a thing that Marvel's still doing. Yeah. Which is so when you say is still doing, you say do you mean they've got a cast together, everything's no, set in static? No, but they're just, it's in pre-production. But they've announced that that's what they want to do, which is a really weird. Yeah, but there is a, there is still a big difference between announcing that's what you want to do and actually doing it. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Nice. But yeah, I mean, we're going to get. And I, I think that's another reason why they haven't bothered with Captain Marvel to cover any of her history in the comics as Ms. Marvel, because that would just be confusing. Yeah, they need to keep that. Yeah. Um, well, but, and particularly, actually, for once, they've done something that will make it easier for people who know the movies to recognise the comics. Yeah. Because can you imagine if they'd done something... I mean, they, they could have done a fan bit, uh, a little bit of fan service where at some point in the movie, for some reason, Carol Danvers wears a bathing suit with a lightning bolt across it and somebody calls her Ms. Marvel in some ironic way or other. Mm-hmm. They could have done that. I'm really glad they didn't. Um, because can you imagine if people had seen the swimsuit wearing Ms. Marvel in the movies and then come into, into the comic shop and Ms. Marvel suddenly is not white and blonde she's brown and wearing a bikini which is what that suit is modelled on so I mean still keeping the swimwear feel which I think is hilarious yeah. <laughs> it's a great twist on there and yeah. isn't it and the the again the idea if we'd seen Carol Danvers in any of Miss Marvel's costumes and in the movies and then people come into the comic shop and see Carol Danvers wearing the Captain Marvel uniform as designed by Jamie McKelvey and using the movie. Again, there's no... Yeah. So let's just... It's ancient history. Let's just scrap it. Moviegoers don't need to know about it. And move on, yeah. I think, is... It was a sensible way to do it. And let's face it, some the previous runs on Cap, 
uh, well, when she was Ms. Marvel, weren't were problematic. Yeah. yeah I, I, we can go I was trying to think there. of the right word. <laughs> um, I made a joke in the 90s. Boy. Um, <laughs> That's the destruction of most people's careers. It was a long time, was a long time ago. It's, I probably haven't made a joke since. But I made a joke in the 90s that Ms. Marvel was the superhero that had constantly forgotten her kit because she always had to go and fight crime in her vest and pants. And that costume was never going to fly on screen. I mean, apart from anything else, you have to be drawn by someone like Rob Liefeld to get away with that costume. Yeah. An actual human woman would not look good in any of Ms. Marvel's costumes. And no costume designer could make that costume stay in place whatsoever. No, it would have required a lot of spirit gum. Yeah. It's not going to fly. I mean, the, the, the 70s stuff is basically a swimsuit, and you could probably have got away with that, but you'd still have looked ridiculous. Yeah. And... You would still have had the audience going, she's wearing a swimsuit. And why has she got a massive hole in her belly? That's silly. And it just, as you know, some of those costumes looked good on the page. They worked on the page in, in the way that the art was done yeah. at that time. Yeah. They're never going to work. You know, there's a reason nobody cosplays it. Yeah. Um, and it's not modesty. I mean, I've, I've, I've seen people cosplay Red Sonja and Slave Leah and stuff. And... You know, just there have been cons where I've not known entirely where to look. Um, so it's not modesty that cosplayers don't cosplay Ms. Marvel. No. It's, it's that you can't wear that. Well, it's just physics has laws. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you just can't wear that in real life. Whereas Captain Marvel suit is awesome. Yeah. You can totally wear that. I've seen some great Captain Marvel cosplay. Mm. Uh, our, our own Louise Saul, a friend of the shop and oh. local cosplayer, does an amazing Captain Marvel. Hi, Louise, if you're listening. I don't know why I'm waving. I'm waving at a microphone. <laughs> it's not how microphones work. So, yeah, well, how do we feel about the de-aging technology? Um, I mean, I, to be honest, I suppose I've seen it more impressively used in previous Marvel films, but then again, I don't know if they actually do much with Samuel Jackson, to be honest. Samuel Jackson, I don't think they did. I mean, I, 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 I was looking at images from Pulp Fiction the other day. Yeah. And he basically hasn't aged. Yeah, that man's got, that man's got a painting. Yeah. That man's got a painting. So, in, in, yeah, they didn't have to strain themselves. In the... But I thought Phil Coulson looked a bit weird. Uh, yeah. Mm. I... Phil Coulson looked like an old man with a young man's face. Yeah. Sort of wearing as a mask. No, yeah. It was, uh, Phil I'm Coulson... assuming they use CGI there. Yeah, Phil Coulson was a little bit creepy, I thought. I think maybe because he's got a bit of a kind of an older man's stocky kind of yeah. build. Yes, he's got an old man's body. Yeah. I, I mean, you could pick up on that. You could de-age my face to make me look 20. But unless you're going to do something about the fact that I'm three stone heavier than I was when I was 20. Yeah, because when they did... It's not going to work. Yeah, when they did, like, Leia in the end of Rogue One, they had to get a new actress because her bones were oh, changed. Yeah, there's no way. There's no way you could have de-aged Carrie Fisher to look like yeah. the way Carrie Fisher did in 1977. I never thought Princess Leia would, would ever horrify me. <laughs> yeah, I hate that special that, I hate the special that special effect at the end of Rogue One more than I hate the special effect where she flies across space in <laughs> in Last Jedi, which is the worst special effect in Star Wars history. Oh, I don't know. Something. Actually, no. <laughs> the, the, there is a worse special effect than that in the special editions when Han steps on Jedi's tail. Yes, yes, that's just um, awful. That is awful. That's yeah. that's not good. It's, that's 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 horribly horribly done. Please don't let George Lucas anywhere near it ever again. Oh, do you know, someone apparently who was super easy to de-age was Kurt Russell. Apparently his bone structure has not changed since the 80s. They didn't have to do anything with him. Almost no, like the most de-aging 
was on set practical makeup. Yeah, I'm just remembering Guardians now. Yeah. Yeah, now that I think about it, uh, when I first saw it, I thought, oh, they've de-aged him. Yeah, she doesn't look that. No. And actually, I mean, sometimes it's really obvious that they've done that. I'm in a a, a minority here, I know, but I actually think they made a decent job at Robert Downey Jr., in, um, yes, that was very impressive, actually. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, I, I know it's a little uncanny valley. But I'm not sure if that's because we're aware of it. But yeah, but also, Robert, he almost looks a little bit too. Robert Downey Jr. was. <laughs> yeah, but, but but he was. Yes. Yeah, if you look at Robert Downey Jr. in the in the Brat Pack movies, yeah, he's impossibly beautiful. His skin's so soft. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he was. He was. I mean, given the terrible things he did to himself afterwards, mm. yeah. look at him now. Given given what he's put that body through, it's amazing. He looks alive. he looks that good now. Yeah. He must have been impossibly beautiful when he was twenty. Yeah. So yeah, it, it is it is a little bit uncanny, but I think it's because that is actually what he looked like when he was that age. Mm-hmm. The the best one I noticed was because I didn't notice it, and it was the start of Ant Man. And you know when uh, Hank Pym punches a guy. Yeah. I obviously knew that Hank Pym was de-aged in that scene. I didn't know the guy punch was going to re- turn back up. I never noticed that they de-aged him until he came back, back up mm. in the film. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, that was really good, because I never noticed that was a young guy that he punched. We've, we've come a long way since Back to the Future, I think it's fair to say. Yes. <laughs> uh, although I, I suppose they were ageing, not de-aging, whether they used young people and yeah. aged them all, mm. which is easier to do with practical effects, mm. I suppose. We've drifted off again, haven't we? Yeah, we did see about Um, What haven't we talked about? Let's talk about Cree. Okay. Because I will confess, I spent the first half of that movie trying to work out what was going to happen between 1995 and the events of Guardians of the Galaxy that were going to turn the Kree from heroes into villains. Okay. And then we got the switch. Yeah. And I suddenly went, oh, no, they're the bad guys on the line. No, fair enough. But they're very mu- we're very much on the side of the Kree. That first battle with the Skrull, yeah. when they're ambushed, we are very much on the side of the Kree. See, I think that's where, it, where, it may, where the movie worked. Because it could have very easily still... Uh, so, uh, you, you see, there's been a lot of movies in the past where you, it goes back and forth a little bit. And you're not entirely sure whose side's the right side to be on. Or it's only until the very last mo- minute, and I mean like the very last minute, oh, they were the bad guys all along. Yeah. Um, I just felt that this was a little bit more nuanced. Mm. It felt more Very much so, actually, yeah. And as you say, it because it, I, I suppose with the, all we knew prior to coming into the film, that we knew that the crew weren't exactly the nicest of bunch. Um, but you were seeing it from her perspective and thought for a moment, oh, actually, it turns out that they are all right. Maybe they are mm. a civilised society. Um, and I think that's to the... I have to tip my hat off to the writers and the directors there. Because they did a great job. They did a great job there because it made you completely forget about your preconceived notions of the group. Yeah. And then... When you hear the other side of it, it all makes sense. Mm. And then, and then you have the scroll as. And it's something that happens so often, and, and this isn't uh, a new narrative either. Well, no, I mean, I mean, I'd, I mean, just to 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 
um, reference back to podcasts that we've done about Doctor Who. You here for the Doctor Who? You're here for a Doctor Who one. I don't know if I'm here for the Doctor Who one. We here for the one we did about the Thirteenth Doctor. No, I talked about David's Thunder. Oh no way! Yes, I was there. Yeah. Yeah. I hadn't seen it, so I couldn't. I didn't contribute. <laughs> I was right. There, there is a there is a. Uh, because the Korea are a massive empire, and people who are members of an empire mm. tend to think of the empire as the good guys. Mm. Um, you know, the British, the British Empire. We are taught in school, less so there, but certainly when I was at school, we were taught that the British Empire was this thing that we did that was pretty cool, really. We went on the world and brought civilization. Now I'm just thinking the Firefly. And and if you talk to somebody who was not British and educated in, oh, I don't know, let's say India or South Africa. That's not how they see the British Empire. Yeah. To, 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 to somebody, it's funny, there was a, a thing on The Daily Show um, with Trevor Noah, who was South African, a couple of weeks ago, where he was talking about this. You know, he, he, he was educated in South Africa. He was taught that the British were the bad guys. Yeah. Because even under apartheid, the white guys hated Britain because they were descended from the Boer. And black community hated Britain because they were descended from the Zulus. And it was like, like from both sides, the British were the bad guys. And then he went to America and met British people and saw films like Zulu. Oh, they they think they're the goodies. Um, and he was like genuinely like it was like a genuine culture shock for him. Yeah. Um, and we we get the same thing here with the crawl, the the Cree, the Cree think they're the good guys. Yeah. They think they're defending their empire from these evil scrolls mm. who are coming in, and you can't trust them because you don't know who they are. And which is, and it's mainly because they're not wanting to bow to their yeah. And and the yeah. the, the scrolls the scrolls won't join the empire. The scrolls won't be part of it. They want to be independent and free, and that makes them to a to a colonial power that's intolerable. Mm. And you only have to look at British history to see the various things, what we do, which which are very like, they're very Cree-like, is all yeah. I'm saying. The film might not have got political, but I just did. And I think there's a resonance there. Yeah. And I think, actually, that's an important story to tell. It's an important aspect of the story that people need to see, that it isn't as simple ever as we're the good guys, they're the bad guys, and they make a very satisfying thump when they hit the ground. Mm. It's never as easy as that. Yeah. The people that we think of the bad of as the bad guys don't think they are. Yeah. And the people that we think of the good guys aren't the good guys to everybody. And it's it's nice to get a film, particularly something like a superhero movie, where everything is usually cut and dried in black and white. It's nice to get that level of nuance. Yeah. That we see that yeah, the Kree think they're heroes. They really genuinely do. They don't get up in the morning and think, how can I lay waste to the galaxy? They, yeah. That's not what they're about. That's not what they're doing. They're not space Nazis. Because actually, I'm just going to say, sometimes evil empires really are evil, just objectively. <laughs> but not the Greek. Um, there's there's something there that they are defending. Even when we're looking at the galaxy, Ronan the Accuser, there is a thing there that he is defending. Yeah. That he feels is under attack. He may or may not be right. But he's not a bad. He's not a villain in his head, mm-hmm. and I, I, it's good to to have that nuance. I think. Does any of that make sense? Yeah. Yes, no. and I think yeah. you just um, illustrated what I was attempting to say. And oh damn! That means I talked over you and stole your point. That is well, such no. a bloke thing to do. <laughs> you colonise <laughs> <laughs> you? No, you've said it more articulately than I, than I am able to do. 
So. I think maybe it's because I've had arguments with history teachers. That and I've been working all day. <laughs> yeah, my job doesn't really count as work. I spent all day in a comic shop. <laughs> Listening to my mother tell customers about me as a child. <laughs> that was not good. But yeah, I think that, that element of the film works well because it's it's basically borrowed from history. Mm-hmm. It's borrowed from, yeah. say, colonial yeah. history. Yeah, and you know, before anybody, again, before people write in, I use the British Empire as an example. I could just as easily use the ancient Greeks or the Romans or the Egyptians or any other bloody empire. I could use the Americans right now and illustrate the same point. To be fair, I do think like... In fact, to be honest, I could have used Belgium, for God's sake. (laughs) Yeah, but isn't it like on average once a week a country celebrates its independence from the UK? Something like that. I think yeah. that's like an average or something. <laughs> so it's a good example. I mean, yeah, to be fair, yes, quite a lot of the world it used to be pink on the map. <laughs> yeah. Why? Why? Why pink? Why did we choose to colour the British Empire in pink? Of all the colours we could have chosen. I mean, it's fabulous, I love it, but why? I've never understood that. Mm. Given the attitudes prevalent about gender identity and stuff in the, in, in the time of the Empire. Well, would that not still have come around as being a boys' colour anyway, because wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah in the Victorian... I'm I, you know, sure it was the Victorians who made pink a girls' colour, though, wasn't it? Okay. I mean, I don't know. I'm pretty sure in the Victorian... If anyone listening has any kind of knowledge about any of this <laughs> nonsense that we're talking, please do get in touch and set us straight. I'm pretty um, sure it was in the Victorian era that pink was considered to be a boys' colour because it was strong and... Because it's red. Yeah. And yeah. blue was a girls' colour because it was dainty and delicate. Particularly baby. I'm totally looking this up when I get home. Mm, I imagine it's actually quite an interesting history. I'm pretty sure it was a bit, yeah. if not earlier than that. Because it's I'm certainly, sure it's it's certainly a, a societal construct, isn't it? It's, mm. it's, oh, yeah. it's, it's you know, colours are not inherently masculine or feminine. So, yeah. Mm. What were we talking about? Captain yeah. Marvel. Stay yeah, on target. Have to be awful, yeah, we, we, are, we are running out of time. So, so we'll wrap this, this up as well. I don't think we've come to a conclusion apart from the fact we loved it. Yeah. Brie Larson is charming as all heck. Yeah, no, I, she's really I good. adored Brie Larson. I thought she was great. Um, whoever played Thingy Rambo, still can't remember her name. Do you want me to look it up? No, it's all right. <laughs> I'll, sure. Yeah, I'll, 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 put it, I'll put it in the show notes. I thought Rambo, little junior Rambo, I thought she was great as yeah. well. She was wonderful. I, in fact, do you know what? I've only got one slight regret. I really wish her last name had been Williams because that would have been setting us up for something amazing. <laughs> Except she'd be too old, thinking about it. Um, yeah, how old is Ruby? Ruby's 16. Oh, right, yeah, then yeah. She's so she'd be too old, so that wouldn't have worked. To be fair, I mean, no one So I'm glad they didn't do that. <laughs> okay. Maybe she could marry somebody called Williams. I'll still see her again. But then she'd have to change her name, and I'm not in favour of that. Um, so yeah. Anyway, yeah, she was great. I I liked the whole changing the colour suit thing. Yeah, that's fun. In fact, I liked every single aspect of this movie. It was a fun movie. It was great. And as I say, that sequence where she has nothing to prove yeah. was was just that was kick ass. I think also penis. a very important sentiment to express to not just young girls but to everybody. To everybody. Yeah. To every young person watching. They need. They every young person watching needs to see that sequence where she gets up and she gets up and she gets up and she gets up and then she tells him she's got nothing to prove and she kicks his ass across the desert. But it's especially good that it's a woman saying it to her yeah. because my god so the number of times where 
women have felt like they've had to prove themselves to their male mentor, mm. to some man in their well, lives. And, and actually, yeah. And to live up to their expectations. To, to, and to, to, be... and to finally say to them, actually, I don't have to prove any, anything to anybody other than to myself. Yeah, well, I think it's, it's a particularly important message in the context of geekdom, because there is a corner of geekdom that lives in its parents' basement um, that sees a girl and instantly challenges. Mm. You, know, you, you get the whole girl geek thing and girl gamer, and you know you're not, you know, you're not a true fan. You're a, like, why, why any male geek thinks girls are pretending to be geeks to pick up lads is utterly <laughs> beyond me. Because I was a boy geek, and I can confirm that there were no girls who were interested in me. <laughs> so, so the idea that any girl would 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 feel the need to pretend to be a geek in order to get my attention. Is ridiculous. Seriously, any girl who even looked in my direction had my attention. Yeah. And also, just quantifying your fandom via knowledge. It's like, if you like it, you like it. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, 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 also, I'm sorry, I didn't know there was going to be a test. Mm. And if you're going to have the attitude towards, let's face it, towards women, and you're going to quiz them literally at the gate, um, then you're not going oh, no, to. Oh, no, now I'm rethinking the name of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> How are you supposed to encourage those people to come back? Yeah, exactly. Because yeah, exactly. the whole point of staying in a wall, picking up an interest, is to learn more about it. You're not going to instantly be endowed with knowledge the moment you pick up no. that. I mean, every every comic is somebody's first comic. Every movie is somebody's first movie. Every TV show is somebody's first TV show. Yeah. You can't you can't know everything straight away. So gatekeeping is ridiculous, honestly. I, I, yeah. And on that bombshell, um, we will wrap this up because we have started to ramble. I think I'm realising why we don't we should probably do these straight after work. Okay. So yeah, we're going to leave it there. Look, if you haven't seen Captain Marvel, if you've heard negative things, ignore them. Go and see for yourself. Yeah. It's bloody great. I'm not sure it's the best Marvel movie. I'm not qualified to say at the moment. Because my favourite Marvel movie is always the one I've just seen. So at the moment, I'm not objective. But I think it's going to be up there. I really do. I, I, I think this is going to age really well, like you said. So if you haven't seen it, go see it. Can you believe Endgame is six weeks away? No. Such times we live in. Um, so we will leave it there. Um, so it's goodbye from me. Uh, it's goodbye from Jack. Goodbye. It's goodbye from Alice. Goodbye. Until next time, be kind to yourself, be kind to everybody else. And we will see you soon, the next time we meet at the gates. Thank you for listening to the Geeks at the Gate podcast. us on Facebook at facebook.com slash geeks at the gate or contact us on Twitter at geeks at the gates or contact us by email on mail for geeks at the gates at gmail.com that is the number four not the word geeks at the gates is a production of Venus Rising Media and is proudly made in Yorkshire Yeah, I've not yet gone to thought. Shall we talk about it? So this year, guys, 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 let's not waste the content. Okay, so if we not, that's going to be an outtake.